Hi and welcome everyone to the 42nd episode of CRM Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson and today's podcast will be about what's the new in Dynamic CRM 2016. And with me today I have Gretchen UpforQ and Alex Fagundes from PowerObjects. Gretchen UpforQ is the Director of Education at PowerObjects, where she oversees both internal employee development as well as customer training and community involvement. Having worked with Dynamic CRM since 2006, Gretchen has over 200 implementations under her belt. She's been awarded Microsoft Dynamic CRM MVP the last three years and has recently been named one of CRM user groups all-stars. Her passion is speaking to user groups about CRM practice, architecture and design, marketing, training and user adoption. Alex Fagundes has worked for PowerObjects and done CRM for the past 10 years. Alex has been awarded most valuable professional for the past five years and really enjoys learning about the VNext. Alex's specialities are infrastructure and complex CRM systems. Welcome Gretchen and Alex. Hello there. Hello everybody. What is a good customer relationship for you? I think a good customer relationship is when the client feels like everything they talk to you about is being taken care of. I've actually heard people say that customers don't like to be managed, but I completely disagree with that. I think customers want to make sure that when um, they're giving you information that you're going to use that information to help them and that you are keeping track of that information and that you're sharing that information with other people at your organization and I think that's what customers are expecting from the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. I would also say it's where it's more of a partnership, where it's a joint project, you know, the customer owns it, you know, the partner is helping the customer, and it becomes much more of a partnership than a vendor relationship, where both sides have a very strong interest in seeing the project go live, be successful, and have many additional phases. Not just a phase one, but a phase two, phase three, phase four. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's uh, you know, one of one of the key ingredients for a uh, success. Who are your customers? Well, we work with all kinds of companies at Power Objects. We actually serve um, mostly B two B, mostly companies uh, implementing Microsoft Dynamics CRM, and we work with nonprofit organizations, healthcare organizations, government organizations. Um, for-profit businesses, pretty much you name the type of organization and we work with work with them. Yeah, pretty much anybody that has CRM. We have, um, you know, small one, two-user shops to very large global implementations with thousands of users, 10,000 users, 20,000 users. So anybody that has CRM, anybody that has a, a need to have a system where they could use a Microsoft CRM. So what is it that you do? I think ultimately we help our customers grow. 
that's really generally I've only had one customer in my life tell me they weren't trying to grow their revenue or their organization so generally we're helping customers grow and achieve their goals using technology as one of the the key things that is going to enable them to reach their goals and CRM technology used to be really simple right used to be just uh, one application put it in but our organization has really grown along with Microsoft in implementing all sorts of solutions around uh, enabling customer experiences from the web all the way through uh, the back office, customer service, um, self-service, all of those things. So it's really, uh, really been an area where we've grown and, and skyrocketed really in the last five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And kind of the kind of the four areas that we focus on are what we call our four pillars: our services, the traditional implementation services, support. We have a very large support desk, supporting all kinds of CRM systems. Add-ons. We have thirty-some add-ons to Microsoft CRM, and most of these are very very inexpensive or free add-ons. And then education, Gretchen's department where we do a lot of training, boot camps, specialized training, web trainings, etc. With the with the news in CRM 2016 and update 1, what is uh, what is what are you interested in in the news here Gretchen? Well, from a training perspective since that's the area that I own, a lot of our clients are wanting to know what is it that their employees are going to experience if they upgrade um, to update one. And this this time around, we don't have a lot to tell them. They're just not going to see a lot. In fact, I'm telling organizations to go ahead and upgrade. Um, probably don't even need to do any training with their employees. Um, just a couple of things that they're going to see from the user interface, and one is um, the the new learning paths, and that's a, a pretty exciting feature from an education and training standpoint because it provides them the ability to uh, have in-context, in step-by-step help that actually they can see videos as well as help con- you know help text as well as step by steps walking them through features on the screen so that's something that you know all employees will probably notice if they do the upgrade and if they're opted into that feature so what can you do with the learning paths now is it just out of box or can you do anything with them well in this release they are just out of the box. So Microsoft has created learning paths for some of the basic functions of the system, the sales function, the service function, and you can follow along and it will check off that you've completed different aspects of the path as an individual person. Um, but as you can imagine, the first question that everybody's asking is, can it be customized? When can I customize it? Of course, what do people do with CRM? They customize it, so they want to customize the learning path that goes with it. And that is something that is on the roadmap. And, of course, uh, we anticipate that doing training for our clients, we will get involved 
very frequently in helping clients put together their learning paths right within the application and potentially even video content that goes along with with the learning path. So I might be able to watch, um, they call it micro-learning, watching short videos uh, to learn about something that I'm trying to do right now. So there's a huge, huge potential there. So I think what we're seeing right now is just really the tip of the iceberg as Microsoft has released this this first uh, part that's out of the box. And Alex, I don't know if you have anything to add there. No, yeah, I see uh, you know, that being kind of a, a pretty neat feature, especially once they allow us to customize. We could fundamentally change how we do training. Instead of having printed documents, standalone videos, it can all be built into CRM. Where you literally have these learning paths based on who you are and the customized material right in CRM. Mm-hmm. If it's the first time you logged in, you see this type of contents. If you're in a different screen and it's the first time you're there and you belong in this role, you can see different things. Um, so I think that's a very powerful feature that it could really change how training is done and change how adoption is done. So is this stored per person then so that it checks off that I have seen this or done this and once I sort of completed a path or a section of a path it it, it won't show that to me anymore or do I actively have to say okay I got this now absolutely you can actually see in the learning path it checking off that you've completed certain sections of it you can always go back and watch it again or consume it again but it does check off per person what you've seen and not seen so it's aware of where you are and what you've done Mm-hmm. Now, again, not customizable now, but in the future, I believe the plan is to allow us to customize. And then our customizations can also be aware of where's the user, what have they done? Is it an experienced user or is it a brand new user? Right, and being able to use Azure to gather metrics around what people are consuming and what they aren't consuming, the content that's most helpful. And just really being able to measure whether people are using it or not using it is going to be a huge, I think. Yeah, let's wait with that a little bit because I want to to digress a little bit here more about the learning path. Because I'm thinking about, was it called getting started before in like 2013 or 2011 or something Mm -hmm. like that? Where they have in the ribbon or just below that that they got this getting started uh, the first time you you entered a, a field for incident or case this is a replacement for that one that hasn't been there for very long right yeah this is definitely as alex said more contextual it knows exactly where you are it knows um who you are in terms of your security role and it also um, knows whether you've actually looked at it or not. Whereas I think the getting started actually just launches you out to web-based content, um, but doesn't have any real intelligence to it. Mm-hmm. Which was more one size fits all, unlike what we have now, where it can be very, very targeted. And I think that's the power. The power that you have, you're going to have different users at different points and different screens. So help has to be aware of that. 
Can it be aware of my roles also that a certain type of role is getting a certain type of info? Yeah, I believe it's tied to security role right now. So a certain security role, and I haven't dug into uh, one of my biggest questions is uh, what happens if you have three of the security roles, but um, but definitely there's going to have to be a conflict management there as well, but yeah. it is security role. Or you get all three at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> because I was thinking about they had this that wasn't called getting started once. They had this lady that was always popping up once I cleaned all my cookies. Then there was, oh, you haven't been to this CRM system before. And it was like, yeah, it's my own CRM system. I'm here every day. Oh, not the lady. <laughs> not the lady. <laughs> it's nothing like that, right? No, no. Yeah, the lady just took up bandwidth. Yeah, and the individual can opt out of it. The organization can also opt out of the learning paths. So um, you can easily go up to your settings in the top right and, and turn off the learning learning path as well as the system administrator can just turn it off for everyone. So I anticipate that for some organizations updating to update one, if they are you know, using CRM for some non-traditional purpose, uh, they will probably want to just turn off the learning paths and don't not confuse employees uh, with learning paths that don't necessarily relate to what they're doing in CRM. But mm -hmm. I mean, it could be that they have hijacked one of the standard entities and renamed it to something completely different and is using it for, let's say, projects. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Alex, what's your favorite um, news here? So, kind of my favorite features, they're more on the, uh, the behind the scenes. They are, you know, the server-side sync. I think that has come a long ways, and we now have a, a couple of very nice features there. And the, the mobile clients, where we now have offline capabilities, something that in the past we needed the good old Outlook Serum clients. We now have offline capabilities in the mobile clients. Okay, so if I'm using this client, do I receive emails in there or is that still in my email box on my, or, or how does this fit together? Yeah, good question. So there are a couple moving parts, but uh, so, and let's start talking about emails. So with emails, our number one recommendation is to move over to server-side sync. We then have more capabilities, more options. With server-side sync, A, the server is doing the work. Whatever work that is, it's server-side, not client-side, which means less stuff to break, less resources on the workstation. For tracking emails, which is a big thing, we want emails that are relevant to our leads, accounts, contacts to be in CRM. We can still use the Outlook CRM clients with server-side sync. So now the work being done server-side. Option B, we can use a new app. It's actually called the, uh, the CRM for Outlook app. Very similar name to the Outlook plugin, but it's server-side. It's installed at the exchange level, not on a per-machine basis, which means I install it once for all the users, 
And it works in both Outlook and OWA, Outlook Web Access, which means a user can be in, in, in OWA in a browser and track an email in CRM. It does require Exchange Online. So even if CRM is on-premises, Exchange has to be in Office 365 in Exchange Online. Okay, so so that's email. What about the the all of the other stuff then? So then all of the other stuff is the, uh, the CRM for mobile. I believe that's the, uh, the official name. I uh, used to call it and still do with the uh, Mocha clients. I like the name Mocha. But it's basically a uh, an app for an Android tablet, an app for an iPad, or an app for a Windows tablet. The app is downloaded at the store, so the Apple Store, the Google Store, or the Microsoft Store, and then the app connects to your CRM system, downloads the metadata. You then have CRM running in a mobile device with the forms being uh, rendered in a very easy-to-use UI. So going offline is something, again, in the past, we needed the Outlook CRM clients. Now it's available in the uh, this mobile app. We can define rules in a similar manner to how we define rules in the Outlook CRM clients, where we define what can we go offline with, our profiles, our sync profiles. Uh, we want to take a little bit of care in defining the rules. The goal is to be to go offline with only the data you need. That might be uh, our my key accounts or only invoices for my accounts generated during the last seven days, whatever that might be. We want to take a lot of care designing these rules to not take your whole CRM offline. The more data we go offline, the slower the syncs, you know, the uh, less efficient things will be. And this is a new feature. It's only available for CRM online, not on-premises. The, uh, one of the reasons being that behind the scenes, they are using parts of Azure for this offline sync, which makes it much more scalable than the old Outlook Serum clients. Okay, but I still have my appointments and contacts and tasks that I could use before. And that was in the CRM for Outlook add-in, right? I get the name right now, and the new yeah. one was the CRM for Outlook web app. No, correct. The legacy Outlook plugin, the new web app. And uh, synchronizing contacts, tasks, appointments in the past was done by the Outlook CRM plugin client side. We can now shift that to be server side via server-side sync. So then the synchronization can occur if my Outlook's off, my laptop's turned off, I'm in an airport using my phone, and the server-side sync can uh, synchronize new tasks, new contacts. So if I get a new email for someone and I create an, a contact in, in Outlook, how do I get it to, to CRM? So if you get a new email, you want to track that email in CRM and you're standing in, let's say, an airport security line like I was uh, a couple of days ago, we can use uh, 
the new inbox email tracking. And that allows us to define key folders. So define perhaps a folder for track all, a folder for uh, big opportunities, a folder for ABC company. Define, hey, anything in this folder, tracking CRM regarding this account. Anything in this other folder, tracking CRM regarding this opportunity or this case, or simply tracking CRM without the regarding. And then however the email gets in the folder, it becomes tracked in CRM. Whether user drags and drop via an iPhone, drags and drop via an Android phone, or via an Outlook rule, a server-side exchange rule, the email gets in a folder, becomes tracked in CRM. So it allows us to define these rules and then track an email with any type of clients. Is that the same for outgoing emails too then? So good question. So the outgoing emails, so the answer is yes, but I'll have, I'll have to drag and drop the email in the folder. Or B, I would have to define a rule that creates a copy of the email in the specific folder. We actually have a client doing that now via rules. They are big into exchange rules. And part of their rollout with these uh, inbox folder level tracking, they uh, also change their, uh, how to do their uh, exchange rules to automatically create copies if certain keywords are in the subject line. Hmm, that's pretty neat. That means that the users or the the CRM users don't have to think about how that works then. Uh, Correct. If everybody has a certain way of sending outbound emails. uh, But for the inbound, it does take a little training because the users have to move the email there if they're doing it manually. Yeah, it's still pretty neat and and, uh, flexible, I hope. Yeah, neat, flexible. It's one of the features that I think got very little uh, PR when it came out. Even now, not a lot of folks know about this capability. How do I know that the, the users are, are using my CRM system then? It's a good question. So the, uh, and that's a question that we kept getting quite a bit. Hey, what is my adoption? Are folks using, who are my top users? Are they you know, looking up entities? In the past, if somebody was CRM on-prem, there were a couple add-ons, including one done by PowerObjects, PowerLog. But the online world never really had a uh, a good set of tools. Now we have something out of the box. And the new feature set's called Organizational Insights. It's a set of dashboards, but a dashboards that give a lot of information on who are the active users, how many reads are they doing, which entities are being utilized. Uh, it's pretty neat, and it's uh, one click to turn this on. And I can change my the views, what I, the data I'm looking to be. Uh, let's look for the day. Let's look for the past week. Let's look for the past month to see what a usage has been. Is, is this anything that you use, Gretchen, when you combine this with the learning paths? Yeah, I think... You know, whenever we're talking about training and deployment, we're typically talking about how do we measure, uh, you know, adoption. And 
this certainly gives, you know, some pretty charts to show to sponsors and things like that of the usage that they're getting from the system. And I think that's primarily what sponsors care about is they want to make sure that when they're making an investment that they're getting, um, you know, that they're getting usage. And so this gives the metrics to show that. Um, it can also help identify issues with adoption if you're looking at certain records and certain processes that are not being used um, or are not being used by the right people or the right amount of people. Um, that's certainly things that any sort of training effort would want to take a look at and see. Is it lack of training or is it an issue with the process or what is the cause of, of the lack of adoption in that area? And then we've also had many clients that actually use this information on usage to be able to, to refute any sort of negative messaging that they're getting. For example, they might have someone who's actually not using the system at all um, complaining about the system, and then they can kind of say, well, it's clear that you're not, you haven't been using it, so until you're using it to a certain extent, you really have no right to complain um, and so that really gives them the data that they need to help deal with, you know, oftentimes what we call smoke screens, people who are fearful of technology, who are um, giving really false reasons why they're not using it, um, and they really haven't, you know, dove in and actually incorporated into their day. So all of the usage, usage metrics help with the adoption measurements so you can drill into that and look at a, a, a specific user then you know what i'm not sure that you can do it actually on the dashboard with crm um, i can see the most active users i can see um, usage over time um, but from the crm interface i'm not seeing the drill down capability I'm not sure if the metrics actually are available from another location um, on the specific users. And it's still being called a preview feature. So Microsoft's mm -hmm. still getting feedback on, hey, the folks like, what else are they looking for for this type of usage data? So I believe this is V1. We're going to be seeing more improvements in the near future. I mean, that's a part of being online, right? That they can actually push a little bit of feature more often. Yep, exactly. Yep, that initial 1.0 release of a new feature for you to get an idea of, of what it can do or what, it, what it's going to do or the direction that it's going. And then, of course, enhancing it from that. And we see that in most of the features that Microsoft is releasing in CRM is just um, the continuous enhancement after it's released. Alex, so there's a couple of news here about uh, some some new capabilities also for, for the mobiles. What's that? So they are. And uh, my favorite being this task-based experience. Like, I like to describe it as a uh, almost an app within an app. Is a way of uh, visually allow a user to start a guide that guides a user, let's say, after they're done with a meeting. Always log uh, a new uh, 
appointments, enter a note, and verify the contact's email address. So it allows us to very rapidly build a series of screens to capture the data and to verify the data in the mobile device. So that makes it, the, uh, from a mobile perspective, a much nicer experience for doing a task. Uh, an app within an app. Is it a separate app or is it part of the mobile CRM app? It is part of the mobile CRM app. So it's inside the mobile CRM app. And then we can build these scenarios or build these mini apps, mini tasks that are launched within the uh, the mobile app. So that means that sort of the dialogues that we had in, in the full-fledged CRM, that is sort of the idea and spirit of that is taken to a mobile version. Exactly. So a similar idea except more... Uh, uh, a mobile version, exactly, with the screens designed for the uh, the mobile version, uh, very friendly for touch, very friendly for somebody on the go using a tablet. Okay, so so what was the example here that you have you you have had an appointment and you have this task based experience for okay, enter information what you talked about is is that. Yeah, or a better example might be, let's say, a client visit. Whenever somebody does a client visit, you want to log an activity, you want to verify the key contact information. So screen one might be logging an activity. Screen two might be verifying the contact's first name, last name, phone number, email address. So if something has changed, again, the user can update very easily. And the third screen might be verifying a couple of fields related to how much influence does the contact have? Is it somebody that can influence the deal, somebody that you know, has decision-making power, etc.? We build the screens that the end user then uh, has to go, step one, two, and three, always following the guide, the process. Can you do a lot of... Ta- I mean, it, the name implies that you can do a lot of things if you have them sort of like, okay, I got these tasks that my people on the field do very often. Exactly. The ideas for things that folks do quite a bit, that they do over and over, and we want to mandate a uniform process. So no matter whoever is doing that, does it the same way. Yep, ensuring that they get all of the exact same information um, in each time they do it. So out of the box, uh, one of the task-based ba- task experiences is the uh, after meeting, which goes through not only completing the appointment and key fields on the appointment, but then passes you over to fill out key things around the contact and the company uh, or the leads so that you don't have to navigate to all those different records and fill out or make sure you're filling out all those things but it's all right in front of you and then that gives like Alex said the uniformity to it um, to the data capture so I think really critical for organizations that have a lot of people in the same role who are out on the road using mobile devices and wanting consistency in what they're capturing 
so does this mean that your recommendations is to keep these pretty short then? I would think so. I mean, these are, you're sitting in your car or you're in the lobby or, um, you know, you've just left uh, a client. So could be that you're actually doing some things with the client um, face-to-face, but I don't see a really lengthy process being good for for any use case, <laughs> let alone this one. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. But, I mean, if you have, like, an incident form or a case form in CRM that could be pretty lengthy I mean you have this okay what did happen a long descriptions a couple of emails I mean this is nothing like that right this is more like okay you want to fix this really quick make sure that the users can do that quick so the information that you get out of this is is relevant they don't forget I don't know something for later Yep, exactly. I think the uh, the target for this are very short apps, nothing that's really long or, you know, a bunch of fields, something very quick that the users may do quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, that's probably our job as consultants to help our clients not hang themselves with this rope and keep their process simple for employees or otherwise it won't be used. Yeah, I wouldn't certainly launch long process myself all right so no 10 to 15 views here then exactly yep so one of the other features that i i really like about the mobile is the um the company news feature uh i think this is the first of what we're going to see from microsoft on the uh, extending the contact form or the company form on the mobile app out to show information on the web as part of the native application. Of course, we have that in like an inside view um, type solution in CRM. But of course, with Microsoft's recent announcement of purchasing LinkedIn, you just don't know what they're going to do there in terms of extending their business applications with more information. But uh, this is an interesting direction to go to, don't you think? I mean, adding adding uh, company news onto the mobile uh, capability. Yep, a lot of power there, especially now that they own LinkedIn. Just imagine pulling up a company and seeing some of the data from LinkedIn. That would be pretty neat. When I first saw that news, I was a little bit perplexed, like, LinkedIn, really? And then it hit me, like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of content generated on LinkedIn every single day. And that's a lot of value in that content. Absolutely. (laughs) Yep, a lot of that. It is the most up-to-date place on who works where. If I want to know where a former colleague is, the first place they're going to be updating is usually LinkedIn. A lot of info. Yes, and I mean, a lot of company news are, they're publishing themselves there so people can read about it. So as you said, Gretchen, that's a great place to find data for company news inside a mobile app. Mm-hmm. Can you use it for internal use also, that I publish company news to my employees? 
No, this on the mobile app is actually just going to the account, and you're actually just passing the account name out to the web, and it's bringing up things like um, anything that would basically be put into a um, a press release, such as you know changes in earnings or um, you know changes in in major executives in the in the organization, legal issues, acquisitions, things like that. So it's going to have um, for example, on Power Objects, actually, I, I did a sample one for Power Objects that brings up our recent press release that we won Worldwide Partner of the Year for marketing. And that's the type of thing that, as a salesperson, if they're going to be reaching out and trying to sell me, they might, you know, get a warm introduction there by, you know, saying something about congratulations on your recent award. Um, and that might let me know that they are familiar with with our company and what we do. So certainly something for uh, sales to be able to use. Yes, of course I knew that. Congratulations. Right, uh, thank right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I'm oversimplifying, but it helps the users bingle the news then. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And bingle so is the technical term for Google and Bing in, in <laughs> one word. Yep. It's you pretty much an automatic bingo. Yep. You can <laughs> click a link and go out to Bing there, get more information if you want. So, Do you have any other news that you would like to, to talk about? Well, actually, I started off by saying that employees aren't going to really notice anything. The only thing they're going to notice is the learning paths capability, if that's turned on for them. There's one other thing they might find if they're a particularly savvy user, and that's the email signatures feature. Um, But other than that, the big, big things that have been released, like project service, um, they'll never see that because the organization has to purchase a new license to get the project service capability. So unless you purposefully do that and implement it, um, employees will never see project service and the same with field services right yeah field service being released this past winter and then now enhanced in this release again they would not see it unless the your organization implements it specifically so uh, one of the other features that is neat about this release is the power bi dashboards and that's another thing that the system administrator would have to you know, add in to the, what's visible to employees. So they're all opt-in capability, and I think that's the way Microsoft wants it. They want their upgrades to be really low, um, you know, really easy to adopt, uh, easy to consume, not needing a lot of training, and then opt into new capabilities that you that you see valuable. So. A question about that Power BI: Is it is it possible to include that back into a CRM dashboard? In our ways, yeah. So we can we literally have a new uh, dashboard web part for Power BI charts. So just like I can create a dashboard and put in a, a grid, a web resource, an HTML page, I can now put in a Power BI chart. So it's pretty cool. Yep, it is really cool, and it's, uh, I can't tell you the sizzle there <laughs> when you see those Power <laughs> BI dashboards. 
you know, how they build build themselves as they're coming up. And um, that's certainly going to be a huge value add for anyone using CRM or selling CRM. So, I think that's a huge add. I mean, the, the dashboards, they're good in, in, in the standard CRM, but with this sort of you export the data to Power BI, you add a couple of other data sources and then show it back into Dynamics CRM, that's just, it's so much better. Mm-hmm. And I like that they have the sales and service metrics out of the box already. So you don't actually have to sit there and think about what you want to build or what type of metrics you would like it initially. You know, there's something for you to look at and it populates right away with your data. And it's, uh, you know, it's really easy for, for organizations to start playing with and start consuming pretty much use that as a model and you know modify see how it's running yes i think that's very good also because otherwise you get into this excel power pivot uh, thing that you start with a white screen and then you're like okay now what so if i want to know more about this do you do you have any links where i can get going or or things that I can look at? Well, I would name three. One, the Power Objects blog. We're always releasing new blogs on the latest features, top 10 features, things like that. Um, Microsoft actually has a page called um, something about the latest CRM getting getting the latest. But if you just look for Microsoft CRM 2016, you'll come up with that. Um, and they actually have all of the video links and help file links there. Microsoft actually has done a really, really awesome job in the last year and a half to two years with releasing content before the um, release. So they have released a ton of short YouTube videos on all of the new features. And so I would highly recommend accessing those. And we have a webinar series on the new features running this June and you can watch the down you can watch the um, recorded content as well. And we're doing pretty much hundred percent live demos in in these webinars. So not as many pretty slides, more live demos. That's really awesome. Definitely focus on our webinars. We have a lot of good content. Um, I still get feedback from uh, some of my recorded webinars from six months ago, nine months ago. So we do have a lot of folks watching those and a lot of good contents. Where will you be next? Do you have an event where where we can meet you and greet you and say hi? So let's say CRM UG. We're going to have a booth there, a big presence. Uh, both Gretchen and I are going to be speaking. Uh, so it should be fun. It should be a good turnout. So that's a little bit later this autumn, right? The Sierra Muji Summit is uh, October, I think, uh, around the 14th, 15th, 16th, somewhere around there. And it's in Tampa, Florida. So we will be there in full force. Hope it's it's uh, nice weather and, and all enjoying it. Yes, it will be. Yep. Better than Minnesota. <laughs> yes, a lot better than Minnesota. 
Thank you all for your participation in Serum Rocks. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Yep, thank you. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can comment or see uh, or subscribe. Just search for Serum Rocks in your favorite podcasting app and you will find it right there. See you next time on Serum Rocks. <laughs>